Welcome to Torah from Temple of Aaron in St. Paul, Minnesota. Here is the place to hear much of the great sermons, teachings, and speakers happening each week at our synagogue. Whether you are able to make it in person or not, each week you will find new Jewish content to inspire, motivate, and bring meaning to you wherever you find yourself. I hope you enjoy the teaching and feel free to contact us anytime about it by calling us at 651-252-6411 or emailing us at Rabbi Marcus Rubenstein at templeofaron.org. Enjoy and we hope to see you soon. Hello everybody. Today we are going to hear a sermon I gave Saturday, November 20th at Shabbat morning services at Temple of Aaron. I was and still am distressed about how we deal with large, complicated, and important communal issues in our communities. We will explore a specific case that was documented in the New York Times Daily Podcast that occurred within the school board of the Central Bucks County, Pennsylvania School District recently. I then worked to diagnose why we are having such a difficult and unproductive time dealing with these issues through the paradigm of the encounter between Jacob and his brother Esau. I leave off with some conclusions and pragmatic ideas that can help us have a productive, albeit hard, conversations in our communities, within our, with our families and with each other, to help us all move forward together. I hope you enjoy. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. You may be seated. We know who you are, we will find you, you will never be allowed in public again. Where did these words come from? Where were these words stated? I'll tell you how they started. An elementary school teacher came one day to a school board meeting in central Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and she said, tonight, I'm going to provide a review of social emotional learning. And we are going to talk a little bit about Second Step, a new curriculum implementing how to understand other people's and appreciate other people's perspectives. And, we, and, they, and she then showed this picture of what she showed to the students in elementary school. She said, we'd show the elementary students, look at this roller coaster. Some students would look at the roller coaster and say, wow, this is super, super exciting. Right? I actually had a roller coaster themed bar mitzvah party, so I would find it very exciting. Um, and some people, some of the kids would look at that roller coaster and be like, oh my God, I would never ever do that. And look at that same roller coaster, and it would bring up different feelings for each of the kids. And the whole entire program was to get the different kids to understand that people respond differently to different things in the world and to appreciate other people's perspective. Pretty good for elementary school students, right? I think I'd want my daughter in that. But that resulted in that comment that I just said. We know who you are, we will find you, you will never be allowed in public again. So how did comments like this, how did a simple Bucks County School Board meeting get so crazy and unstable? People screaming at each other, insulting each other, out of control. Well, there were big decisions to be made, hard decisions to be made. School boards this year bumped into two very hard decisions, amongst many others, of course. One, how do we deal with COVID? 
Right, how do we, what do we, what do we do? We have two conflicting seemingly problems. We have one value that we want to make sure our kids are healthy and our teachers and employees are healthy and their health is the utmost concern for us. And we need to make sure that they are safe from COVID-19. But the other value that seems to have been brought in conflict, another extremely important value, is that our children are able to be educated and that their growth is not stunted and that they are able to learn. Those are two extremely, incredibly strong values. I could both hold that COVID is very dangerous and we need to protect our children from it and they need to have a good quality education. Right? We can all agree that those are not opposing values. Right? The second issue that they faced, another difficult decision, was in reaction to the murder of George Floyd, of how to deal with racial injustice, how to deal with black men and women, people of color who were dying, how to deal and understand with what the country was going through, which is a, continuing to go through, which is a reckoning of racial violence. Yet, we also care for our men and women in blue. And we also care for our police officers who are amazing people and should be respected and should be appreciated. Those are two values that we can hold up. We can care and respect for those who are police officers and we can care and respect for those of people from all colors and hold them up and protect them as well. Would you agree those aren't opposing views? Yet, again, that school board was turned into a war zone over those two issues. Why? Because it was a difficult decision. It was a, they had to admit the fact that this was really difficult to figure out the proper step forward to educate our children how to deal with these complicated dynamics that are going in our country, how to educate our children. It wasn't a time for screaming at each other. It was a time to slowly, pragmatically think through how to best educate our children. But instead, it turned into, I'm going to scream at the other side, and the other side's going to scream at me. It turned into such a big battlefield in central Bucks County in Pennsylvania that now they're getting the reports of teachers. They're actually interviewing teachers and custodians and employees at the school. And the kids are getting terrible, terrible education. Everything is out of control. There's a shortage of employees. This once great school district, no one wants to work there anymore. Who's, what, who's the one who's actually suffering because of all of this fighting? The children. The, the thing that they set across to do that you would think that both parents cared about is the children were the ones who ended up suffering, no matter who won. This is what we have when we look at doubt. When we have doubt and decision, when there are hard decisions put in front of us, our general reaction is to take a side and try to beat down the other side and make it an easy decision, make it black and white. But it's hard. It's a complex decision. It's easier to make it an easy decision. It's easy to make a black and white that the person who disagrees with me is not only uh, wrong, but evil. They hate the children. They don't care about me. They don't care about anyone. They're in it for the wrong reason. They must go down. Not 
we disagree. They care about the children as well. They care, but we disagree. And we have to figure out how to work this out for the best of the children, the best of the school. People began to look at each other like cartoons of everything they perceived as bad. They stopped looking at the issue at hand and instead just turned to how can I overcome my enemy? How can I beat them? And we see that in our Parsha this week as well. We see it with Jacob and Esau. As Jacob is going to confront Esau, Jacob sees 400 men walking with Esau. And what does he say? Esau must be up to kill me. He's going to kill me. He's going to murder my family. It's going to be absolutely terrible. Now, if you actually look at the Parsha, there's probably about 400 people also walking with Jacob. Remember, all his lamb, all his sheep, his whole animals, they already, some of them had kids at that point. Jacob had an extremely large camp following him as well. Servants, everything like that. Do you think Esau could have been intimidated of Jacob? Probably. Remember, Jacob's the one who outsmarted him over and over again. Do you think Esau was just like, oh, Jacob's perfectly great. He's fantastic. I love him so much. No, Esau probably didn't trust Jacob either. But instead, all Jacob can see is this guy's coming out to get me. He's my enemy. But we see that when they actually meet, after Jacob has a moment of revelation of godliness in the night, he wakes up and he turns into Israel. He turns into Israel and he meets Esau in the morning and he says, we can actually get beyond this. We can actually see each other as human beings, as complicated human beings. We could say we can get together as family. We can see beyond the issues that have plagued us in the past, and we can actually figure out how to move forward. Not to have a perfect relationship, but how are we actually going to move forward, right, so we don't murder each other? That is the moment in which we can move on and deal with the issues that are hand. Where it no longer becomes about Jacob beating Esau, but Jacob struggling to do what is good. It no longer becomes about Esau trying to finally get back at Jacob, but for Esau to actually have a good life. To actually build a good life together. They can actually build that together. And what does that mean? And once they became actually focused on building a good life together and not beating each other, Right? They can actually start to get along and build something. Now let's look, let's look at these arguments. I just want to look at these comments. Some of these comments might be hard to hear, but so these are some comments that were heard at the meeting that day. From someone who was uh, against masks, the parents said, Demonic adults, they, they were calling the other side, demonic adults recruiting brainwashing and participating in unconscionable behaviors, and everyone knows that they're colluding with unions and community activists, private physicians and organizations that push an agenda for political and financial gain. Quite a statement, right? Does it sound like that person is actually at all respecting where the other side is coming from? For a second, could they think that the person who wants their children to wear masks are, are nervous about their children's health. And I can understand that they think that that's going to impact their kids' education, but it seems like from that statement that they're truly, totally trying to destroy the other person's perspective to invalidate it. 
That's an act of violence. That's never going to solve the problem. And that's not solving any, it's not actually solving any problem. It's just trying to beat the other person's point. Now let's look at the pro-mask person. No better. The pro-mask person called the anti-mask board member repulsive, a horrible sick person, piece of garbage, idiot, crazy, lunatic, vile human being, supposedly needs to straighten her hair better, disgusting, and D-I-A-F, which supposedly means die in a fire. Okay? This happened in a board meeting. Okay, does that seem like she's, oh, maybe she's actually thinking, you know, I, I need to take care of my, the kid's education, right? That we need to worry about this. Is that person respecting that person's other side? Is that actually going to get us anywhere? Absolutely not. You know the answer. Let's take the people arguing over critical race theory in schools. The anti-critical race theory person said, forcing critical race theory into core curriculum is complete nonsense. That most of our student body is racist because they were born white is offensive, immoral, and just plain wrong. Will we have teachers greet our children each morning with, good morning, you racist brats? Really? That's the discourse? That's, does that solve anything? Is that, like, is that really taking seriously what the other side is thinking about? And actually, it's just trying to invalidate. It's just trying to make it look silly. That's not going to get us anywhere. Is that really thinking the other side actually is looking out for the greater good of all people as well, just like I am? That they also care about the students? That they also care about all people? No. All it is is just saying their side is completely invalid. They don't care about anybody. They hate children. Can't possibly be true. But of course, you know what I'm going to do. Let's look at one of the pro-critical race theory comments from one of the parents. They said, they are just pandering to a handful of parents that won't address their own racism and bigotry they, that the school board instead must lead with compassion and kindness. Really? Everybody who's arguing about this, they're all bigots. Everyone is just a racist. Really? Is that, that's, that's, how, that's the issue? Everyone's just completely, completely racist. It's a complicated issue. Systematic racism in this country and the oppression of black people and people of color in this country is a complicated issue. It's very complicated also for police officers in this country who are good people, who make mistakes like everybody else. And they've also been in this country for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they also, it's complicated, it's difficult, it's not easy. And instead, we try to categorize and we try to cartoon the other person and not try to understand at all where they're coming from. And these arguments just break down and it makes school boards completely nonsense and the children suffer and our country suffers. And now, of course, we're entering this with, our, with the tragedy of Kyle Rittenhouse. Just in the news, I didn't even, I wrote the sermon and I, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was uh, I won't comment on it, but he was said to be not guilty of all crimes. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an expert in legal analysis, so I won't offer my opinion. I'm sure everyone has their opinion. But what I do see, and I can all definitely cry out, is one side is lifting up Kyle Rittenhouse like he's some kind of patriotic hero. Literally, he was offered an internship by a particular congressperson. Really? He killed people. It's a horrible tragedy. He, he, he broke the law. 
It was horrible. Terrible, terrible tragedy. People died. Horrible. Right? But on the other hand, I hear the other side saying, every single jury on that juror was a complete bigoted racist. Really? This is a very complicated case. It was up for first-degree murder. The only answer could possibly be that everyone just erased it, racist bigoted. I don't think it really works. I don't think the world works that way. Yet we get attracted to these arguments because it makes life a lot easier. But it actually doesn't solve any problem. It never gets better when we fall into these traps. It ended up with, of course, the one swing voter. There was a five-person board of trustees of the school board in Bucks County. Two were pro-mask and two were anti-mask. And there was one swing voter who was trying to consider both sides. His name was John Gamble. And he ended up resigning. Why? Because he had a death threat against his family. People wanted to literally kill him. He had to have a police escort his wife, who was a teacher in the school, in, stand at the front of the classroom to make sure no one killed them. Both from both sides, death threats from both sides. And they were digging for info on his wife, on his whole family. So he resigned. And I say, let's not be a part of this. Let's be a part of actually helping people, of moving this country forward, of moving our communities forward, of actually helping people, of actually being there for people, of actually discussing the issue at hand, because as is proven in this one example, which we know is happening around the country, is that who suffers? The children. The education never gets any better. When we make other people out to cartoons, when we concentrate on just beating the other side and invalidating their point, we get nowhere. Everything gets worse. But when we try to understand the anxieties and the worry of the other side, what they're thinking about, to try to understand that the other side might also be working for the common good. They're not just trying to work against everybody, but they're two different perspectives. Then we can actually move forward. And we could actually try to think of a solution to an extremely difficult problem. That doubt doesn't mean something evil is happening. It just means that the problems that we're facing are real problems that are really difficult and entrenched in society. And it's going to need a lot of work to figure out how we get out of it. And we're going to have to go through that as a society together. So my takeaways from what I've been trying to say. Number one, we all have been involved in these disputes before. And whether we're actually involved at a school board level or any level, we're all seeing it on the news. Number one, stay on question, right? Discuss the issue in a pragmatic fashion, right? The question at, at hand was what should, be taught to, what, what should be taught to children or should a child wear a mask or not, but instead it went into all, all, everything behind the issue. Either one side is completely, completely, completely racist and all these different issues and everything that was going on in the world, Number two, remind oneself that the other is working for the good of the whole. This is a hard one, right? That the other side is also thinks that this is what is good for the whole community. That they want the best for their country, they want the best for their children, and they think that this is the way it's going to happen. You can disagree. That's perfectly fair. But to not invalidate the other person's intentions. 
Number three, try to understand the anxiety of the person you are disagreeing with. Right? Every argument and disagreement comes from an anxiety. Right? And that anxiety might not be expressed with the words they're actually saying, but you're feeling an anxiety. Right? For example, the anxiety of someone who is afraid, uh, uh, who, who, who wants uh, all masks in school all the time, right, is my child might get sick. My child might get hurt. I love them so much. How could I let anything ever happen to them? How can you disagree with that anxiety? How can you, how can you disagree? I don't care if you're Republican, you're Democrat, you're whatever it may be. How, how can you say, how can you disagree with that anxiety? And the anxiety on the other side, they're messing up my child. They're messing up their education. They get only one shot at this. They're destroying my child. Right? You can understand that anxiety. That's a real anxiety. And you have to think like that. Number four, try to find what makes sense about what the other has said. Is there anything that the other person is saying and, and trying to communicate to you that actually makes sense? Is there anything that you actually agree on? Instead, we try to focus on what we disagree on, but can we actually focus on what we agree on and say, how can we work together on the things that we actually do agree on and move forward? If we put those strategies into this place in this country, in our small communities, in the way we deal with it, and when we're sitting around a Thanksgiving dinner table, and we might be sitting with relatives who it's, might, we might disagree with a little bit, that can actually move us forward. But until we're willing to make that courageous step, we're going nowhere. We're going to just spiral down, and the people will suffer are the children, and the people who will suffer are the victims. But rather, we have to work pragmatically forward to say we are all working for the common good and push that and try to see the other as a complicated whole. And just as Jacob and Esau were able to bow down to each other and embrace, not because they loved each other, not because everything was perfect, but because they, they were able to move forward and figure out a way forward. If Jacob and Esau were able to do that, I know that we can move forward too on all of these complicated issues that we will figure out. And we need to have the courage to be able to do that. Shabbat shalom.